Um, today's Mother's Day, isn't it? Happy Mother's Day to all you mothers. Um, thank you for being there. Without you, there wouldn't be us. Um, my daughter reminded me that it was Mother's Day when I, we were driving across from South Dakota over here, I think the beginning of the week. What are we going to do for Mother's Day? And I said, when's Mother's Day? Well, it's next week. And I thought, uh-oh, because my message is never Mother's Day. But I thought this morning what I could do is I could just stop for a minute and tell my mom thank you, who happens to be here, and then all you other mothers that I know out there who um, prayed for me through my Sunday school years and taught me, and there's some of you out there, and then those of you that saw me get into high school and continued to pray, and then you prayed through uh, us going to the mission field, and you're still praying for us. And, and I think there's something about a mother's prayer that is, is really special to God. I mean, I, I don't have the theology to back that up, but I think they probably count for at least double when a mother prays for their, their ch- child, their children. Um, I know that without me, or in my personal case, without my mother praying for me, uh, I'm sure that things are turned out way differently. And, and I, I think that's probably the case in many of your lives as well. So thank you, mothers. Even though this isn't the Mother's Day message this morning, just stop for a minute and honor you, and I hope you feel honored today um, that, that to, in being a mother already, but just that um, what you do for your children is something that nobody else can do, and it's a, just a blessing to, to have mothers behind us praying. So thank you for doing that. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. It's always a privilege to come back to your, to your hometown, well, I think it is, and it's privilege to come back in one sense, but I, I, again, I look out there and I see my old Sunday school teachers, and that's always a little bit intimidating, you know, because they knew you back in the day. And um, yeah, I've, I've done this stood before you before and apologized to all my Sunday school teachers. Sorry for if me and my brothers were a little bit ornery and a little bit agitated. Um, forgive me. It's always a privilege to come up here to open God's Word a little bit and to. Um, just to share with you a little bit about what I've learned for the past couple of years, and then also to share with you a little bit about what we're doing in the country of France. We work at a place called the Condesim, and that is uh, Camp of the Peaks, translated in English. And y'all have been involved with that. Um, I say y'all, it's because we're living in Texas right now. You all have been involved with uh, that work since I started going way back when, about 42 years ago. You began sending, sending me to, to the camp to do mission work in the summertime. Uh, the Condé Seam is a place that uh, has a lasting impact on the people who have been through there over the years. It's, been, um, it, it's more like a, a home for so many, many, many of them. They come to the camp and they hear that they have a creator that, uh, that thought of them and that created them. And that they are a unique creation of God that's loved by their creator. And they hear the gospel. They hear how they can have a relationship with Jesus Christ through believing in him and how they can, they can have a better life because of that. And then someday go to heaven to be with their creator. And as they, they, they continue to come back over time, they'll accept that good news. Not all of them, but a good many of them. They'll accept that good news and they will then get involved in a church somewhere. And the churches in France are small, so sometimes that's a difficult step in their, in their personal walk with the Lord. They'll try to get involved in a church, and they'll keep coming back to camp and being discipled, and then eventually they want to bring their friends back to camp. 
And that's always a blessing as well. And you begin to see fruit in their lives, and so you know that God is doing something there. And that has been reproduced over and over again for three generations. So we're privileged now to be working with, have we worked with three generations of believers. And just as an example, I mean, my son-in-law is a product of that. His grandparents, I knew them when I first walked on the property during, at a family camp. They came, they had just gotten saved, and they thought, well, if we're saved, we need to kind of spend our summers, you know, doing something. So they came to learn a little bit more about God's Word at, a camp where we, at the camp where I work. And so I met them for the first time. I was just there, you know, doing maintenance and working on things. But I met the grandparents, and then I knew my son-in-law's father when he grew up, when he was growing up. I met him when he was 14, um, when he came with his parents. And it was kind of neat because he came and helped us work a little bit on the buildings just before family camp. And so I got to know him in a little different way, just a young kid. And then he came back to all of our camps, and he was he, he really enjoyed what was happening, and then he kind of aged out of the youth camps, and we didn't see him for a long time. Then he came back with his family after a few years. And uh, when he did, he brought with him a little six- or seven-year-old boy named Florent. We just call him Flo because nobody in America can say Florent easily. And so we call him Flo, and Flo grew up, and he was just played with our kids at camp, this goofy little kid, you know, just a, one of those kids he just never would have dreamed. And yet then he, he and my daughter, my second daughter, fell in love, and they, they just recently got married. So it means something to me to say we have been working with three generations of believers, and that fourth generation now is crawling around, just starting to crawl around in our nursery. And it's a real blessing, and then the camp has had a long-lasting impact on the people that come there, and the people that find Christ, and especially in the country of France. Now, I'll talk a little bit more about um, the camp and what's what we've been experiencing lately. Uh, but I just want to ask you a question this morning before we go any further. I just want to ask you, how are you doing? How are you doing? I mean, it's been a crazy year, hasn't it? been a tough year on many. A lot of just unprecedented things have happened, and then we've just been kind of along for the ride, watching what's going on. But as in all, as with all years, you know, there's the, the bad stuff that we could just really focus on, but there's also a lot of good stuff as well. For us personally, 2020 was a very good year. Um, our daughter, our oldest daughter, who's here with us today, Tara, We've been looking for a good situation for her for two and a half, almost three years now. And in 2020, we, we came to a place uh, where we just, I just knew that this was where God wanted Tara for a little while. Uh, we don't know how long that's going to be, but she found a place that she likes where she can now um, invest her life. It's a great community. And we're happy with where she's at, and she's happy with where she's at. And so that's huge when you're a parent, is that your children find their place where they're supposed to be. And so for a while, at least, Tara is in South Dallas. If you've been to Dallas and you've been south, you probably drove through Waxahachie. So Waxahachie, Texas, is where Tara's at right now. And she's living in a great community. And she has the opportunity. They've all been vaccinated down there. And so now she's starting to be able to get out a little bit more. And she hopes to find a job and to certainly to find a good church. She found one that's close there. She's been watching it online. 
We visited it one time at the end of March, and now she's going to probably be able to go to that church now in person. So that's always that's a blessing. So we're just looking forward to what her life is going to look like as she invests um, her time there in Waxahachie. So that's a blessing for us. Our second daughter uh, and this, this little fellow named Flo, they were able to get married right in the middle of a pandemic in 2020. So we had our summer camps, and then they were the last thing at the end of the summer in September they were able to squeeze it in between just before the next lockdown. And they opened up for the summer and they closed it right afterwards. They got the last weekend, they had their marriage and then they shut the France down again. And so that was very, that's a huge blessing to watch our, there were a lot of tears because there was a lot of unknowns coming up into it and they got married at camp. So that, you know, was also neat for us to see, kind of a full circle thing. And so our daughter was able to get married there uh, in France and it's, uh, they're living in Marseille. Now, how, how neat would it be to, to be married? In your first year of marriage, you get to spend in lockdown with your wife or husband. That's huge. I mean, that's what they did. And it's like, you guys are so blessed. And so it was neat to watch that happen. And they're in Marseille now, and he's working with some immigrants, um, helping them in social work. And she's teaching English to Chinese kids online. I think I can say that. And so they're enjoying their first year of marriage. And then our son Noah, 2020 was a blessed year. He uh, found a great job in, in Denver, Colorado, and it was, almost fell into his lap. And he was very much uh, appreciative of, of the fact that not only did he have a good job, but he was able to stay with people that he had had former job with. He'd been starting conversations about the gospel. And those people tr brought him along when they had got a job at this, this space technology company and said, no, they need composite technicians. Come along here. And so he, he got this great job, been promoted twice in, in li a little bit under a year. And uh, he's very invested in his church. I'm fixing this thing. and I don't want to rub the clay all over my head. So he uh, is very invested in his church and his, uh, there where he works with the youth is where he met his now fiance. And they got engaged at the end of 2020. And they plan to be married um, in a couple of weeks, the end of May, Memorial Day. They'll be married in, in uh, Colorado Springs down there. So it's been a real blessing to watch that happen. All that happened in 220. So along with everything else that was going on, God just is never deterred. He just continues to do good things. And we just, our particular family case is a testimony of that. And I, I'm just guessing that maybe your family case, you have the same sort of things that have happened to you in this year. COVID-19 has taught us a lot of things. This last worldwide pandemic. And that's kind of what I want to focus on a little bit. Um, I think it brought us, it did two things to us. It, um, it showed us that we were out of control. And it showed us how little we have control of the things that really matter. Nobody can control their health. Nobody can control what happens worldwide and how crazy panic can, can be. And we, as I looked at that, and I, I just thought, you know, it's just a reminder. We've always been out of control, folks. We've never had control. God's always had control. But this last year just put an exclamation point on, yeah, you're right. You, you don't have control over anything. Not the things that matter in any case. And I think it's brought us back to the basics. I'm going to have to readjust this mic one more time. It's brought us back to the basics of, of what it means to, to, to live. What is life all about? And many of us learned how to cook or learned how to cook again because we didn't do that. I know people, the, the close to us in Texas where we're at right now, that 
have never in the last 10 years, they said, I don't remember the last time we sat down and ate a meal together as a family. They just don't do it. They just go out and eat. And so they had to sit down and cook because you couldn't go out and eat anymore over the last year. And then there's those that learned how to teach their children. And all the homeschool people are sitting back going, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, told you, uh uh-huh. It's not easy, is it? You know, the homeschoolers for those people that don't want to, you know. No, homeschooling is tough. And teaching your kids is, is a challenge. And we get, I think it's brought us back to the basics of appreciating those teachers. And we realized it wasn't necessarily the school or the teacher's fault that our kids weren't getting good grades. Maybe it was junior's fault because you were, we're struggling. We're trying to get them to learn. And so it's been interesting because it's brought us back to the basics. And it's brought us back to the basics of spending time with each other. You know, how much time have we spent with our spouse in 2019? And then in 2020, it was just augmented. We were at home. We were together. And some of us had forgotten the art of, of, of nurturing that relationship and being together with your spouse. Brought us back to that basic. And then just being together as a family. And to just to realize how that works. And so, back to the basics. I think that's one of the things that the pandemic has taught me. And I think has taught many of us. And that's kind of what I want to do this morning is I want to talk about the basics. And as you already know, for those of you who've been here as a potter, I really enjoy these passages in the Bible that talk about the potter and the clay, which is why I've been up here throwing pots since we started. I really enjoy the, that relationship, the relational aspect of this, and how God used those passages in the Bible to teach us things about ourselves. And it, you're probably sitting there thinking, uh, yeah, Tom, I think I've heard you preach on this passage before. If you're saying that, you're absolutely right. Yeah, I love these passages because I think there's, they're just unique in, in what we can learn about our relationship to our Creator and how He deals with us. And so the passage I'd look to look, like to look at today is in Jeremiah 18, verses 1 through 6. And it's a real simple passage where God just said, Jeremiah, I want you to go down to the potter's house because I have something for you that I want to tell you. And so the verse goes like this. It's in Jeremiah 18, verse, starting at verse 1. It said, The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. This is Jeremiah speaking now. So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working on the wheel. But the pot that he was shaping from the clay was marred in the hands of the potter. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him shaping it as seemed best to him. So what are we seeing here? Well, we're seeing Jeremiah, that, that's uh, one of God's prophets. And God says, I have something to tell you, Jeremiah. But instead of telling you just outright, because I'm sure he could have revealed what he wanted to say outright to Jeremiah. But he said, instead of telling him outright, I'm going to send him to the potter's house. And so he sent, went down to the potter's house, and Jeremiah watched his potter work on the clay, work on the wheel. He's making something. The Bible says he was making something on the wheel. And I've taught many times on this passage as a potter. And you've, if you've been here a while, you've heard me speak on this passage. But as we went through 2020 and the results, and as we're looking now, we're into, well into 2021, I learned some things about this passage that I would like to share with you this morning. I think we can gather possibly more, but I I just noted four basic truths 
about this passage. And I can't say that Jeremiah understood everything that I'm going to say this morning or what he took away from the thing. All we know is what he took away from was what God told him in the end in verse 6. Why did God have him down there at the potter's house? In verse 6, he tells us, like clay in the potter's hands, that's the way you are in my hands, house of Israel. Like clay in the potter's hands, that's the way you are in my hands. And I think that message is for us this morning. And so the question has to be asked, what does it mean to be clay in the potter's hands? And I think the first basic truth that we can gain from this message is that we have a creator. Jeremiah sat there and watched the potter make a vessel. That pot just didn't happen. The potter just didn't throw clay on the wheel or take that silly putty out of the the can and just let it do something on its own. No, the, the potter took a piece of clay, put it on the wheel, and he made something out of it. It took the hands of a potter. And you say, that's a real basic truth, Tom. And you're right, it is a basic truth. It seems pretty silly to say that in a church. But I think it's a very important truth because that's the base of all the rest. That's the base of everything, is that we realize that we have a creator. You see, you never pick up a coffee cup made by a potter and look at it and say, oh, I wonder if that just came about. I wonder if that just happened. No, it's, it's, that's ridiculous. It's so obvious that if there's a pot, then there must have been a potter that shaped it. And that is a basic truth. And I think if we miss that basic truth, we're going to miss the second one. And this basic truth is one that flies in the face of what we learn in school now. I know in my day, I remember my textbook very clearly, is that we had the theory of evolution and the theory of creation in my textbook in biology. I am guarantee you that doesn't exist anymore. They're just teaching evolution. And in the country of France, it's just taught as fact. And so this flies in the face of what they're being taught is that you just came, you're just a random product, you're a product of a random accident that came from stuff like this that was developed when it's Big Bang in space. You know, that, that's what, they're being, what we're being taught, what's been poured upon us. But as a potter, I have a hard time believing that we came from nowhere. And the reason I have a hard time is because I've never seen the clay do anything on its own. It always takes the hand of a potter if there is a pot. And like I said, if we miss this first basic truth, then we'll miss the second one, and that is we are created for a purpose. Jeremiah sat there that day, and he watched the potter create at least two pots, one that was successful and the other one that wasn't. He created a pot, and whatever he made, it was to be used somehow. Now, in that day, he was the dish maker. He was the refrigerator. I mean, they would put stuff in jars. He was the, he was the, the water carrier, the water um, b- bottles that we get. He, they put the water in the jars. He was doing a lot of things, the potter. He was making a lot of things. He was the, the, the light man, or the, the, yeah, your lighting guy. You get oil lamps, pour oil in, you start that. So he was making a lot of different things. So I know that that potter that day made something that had a purpose. And the potter was the one that decided that purpose. And the Bible tells us, like clay in the potter's hands, that's the way you are in our hands. That second basic truth is that you were created for a purpose. As a potter, I make a lot of vessels. And I make them for different reasons. For instance, I could take this and put a handle on it and make a cup out of this. I decided what I was going to make, and I decide the reason for it. 
I could use this as a bowl. I mean, I made this shape because I, I wanted to put something in it maybe someday. And so this is a bowl. I decided what I wanted to make, and I decide what I will do with this, this pot. And the point that I'm trying to make is you do not decide what your purpose is. We can't sit and just say, I want to be this, I want to be that. Now, yeah, you know, on some level we can. We can make a decision based on how we feel and our personality and what we're good at. But I, I firmly believe that you were created for a purpose, and that purpose is given to you by your creator. And the things that you like and the things that you enjoy, that was that put in you because he wanted that in you, and he has a purpose for having put that in you. And that is just a neat thing for me to think about. The idea that you have a purpose and that you don't decide that purpose <clears throat> flies a bit in the face of, of our society today, does it? Our society today tells us, you decide what you want to do. You decide everything. You decide who you want to be, what you want to be, and how you want to be it. You make the decision. But as a potter, if I look at these images, the basic truth, one of the basic truths I gain from this is you are given a purpose by a creator. Who created you? The third basic truth that we can gain from these passages is that you are valued, highly valued by your creator. Why do I say that? Well, because like clay in the potter's hands, that's the way you are in my hands. What this passage tells us. I don't know if you've been up to Buffalo. Up to Buffalo, there's a potter called Margo. You've gone through there, Margo's Pottery. Uh, we're just in South Dakota. A bunch of people buy their dishes from Margo's Pottery. But when they do, they don't buy them like you buy them from Walmart. They buy, I know the, the, we were staying in someone's house just last week. They bought their dishes, their set of dishes, one dish at a time because Margo's stuff is expensive. Why is Margo's stuff so more expensive than down here in Walmart? Down here, you can buy a cup and saucer for 87 cents. At Margo's, you're going to pay 35, 40, 50 bucks. Why? It's because Margo's only makes one of a kind vessels, one of a kind pots. And that's what makes them so expensive. And like clay in the potter's hands, that's the way you are in my hands. What makes you so valuable in the eyes of your creator is that you are one of a kind. You are one of a kind. There is no way that there could be another you anywhere else in this universe. As long as this universe lasts, there's not another you. And I believe that's because the potter thought of you. He created you like he wanted you, and he invested in you. He put something of himself. The theology may break down here. But I believe this. God put something of himself in you that he didn't put in anyone else. The time and energy and the personality that he thought of for you, that's part of him in you. And so that when you're gone from this world, that part won't exist anymore which is what makes you so extremely valuable in his eyes and which should make you valuable in my eyes and in the eyes of everyone. If my goal is to get to know the part of God that's in you that's not in anyone else, then that's a worthy and great goal for me. And that makes me treat you better than I'm treating you sometimes. Because sometimes I don't see you as a wonderful work of art, a unique creation that's valued by your creator. Sometimes I see you as that guy that's voting different politically than I am, and that's making me mad and many other things. Just compound that. But I believe that your creator loves you deeply, and he created you the way you are 
because he cares for you and he knows that you have a purpose to complete and that makes you very, very valuable in his eyes. I think another reason that God looks at you and says, this is my work of art, is because he wants to have that relationship with you. As a potter, people sometimes ask me what my favorite pot is. And I always tell them the same thing. You've heard it. You've been here around. You've heard it. It's this one. And as I was working on that one, it was that one. And I was working on that one, it was that one. And the same with that one. And I always say that I like making vessels. I'm a potter. I, make, I decide what I'm going to make. I make it, and then I use it for its purpose. I like using my cups, my bowls, and saucers. But what I really like is making pots on the clay. There's a young lady down here this morning that's done some clay pottery stuff. It's fun to make it. It's fun to have pottery all over your hands, have clay all over your hand. And when I look at that image, I don't know if Jeremiah realized that image. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. But what really gets it for me about being a potter is this relationship that I have with the clay. And when everything's going well, I can just touch this clay and it will, it will react to my hands, just my touch, and it will do what I want it to do. It's still magic to me to throw a pot. It's just, it's just a, one of those things that it just really, I enjoy it so much. And I have to look at that and say, that's the way our creator is. Like clay in the potter's hands, that's the way we are in his hands. He loves having that relationship with us. And I think that is probably our major purpose for being here, is to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You say, why do you say that, Tom? Well, it's because I believe that's what that Bible that you're holding in your hand is all about. It's a story about a creator that created everything, and he looked on it, and he said, this is good. And then he created man, and he looked on it, and he said, this is very good. And in the beginning, that potter was, ha- or excuse me, that creator was having an intimate relationship with, the, with his, his creation. They were together. They were in fellowship. They were in the garden. They were always together. Can't imagine what that's like. But that was a unity that we can't even reproduce uh, this side of heaven. But God was there, and he was with his creation. But then as Man has that ability to choose. I wish sometimes he hadn't done that, but I'm glad he did. He gave us the ability to choose, and man sinned. And the minute man sinned, then there was a separation between this creation and the creator. Because a perfect, holy God cannot live in perfect harmony with sin. And so this sin caused this separation between God and his creation. But God, being a loving God, still wanted to have that relationship, didn't he? And so he made a way we can continue to have that relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ. The Bible says the wages of sin excuse me, are de- is death. So somebody had to pay the price. Somebody had to die for our sins. And God sent his son, his one and only son, Jesus Christ, who came to this earth and who stayed away from sin. He abstained from sinning. He did not sin. And that made him a worthy sacrifice to die for our sins. And by having a relationship with Jesus Christ, we can have a relationship again with our creator. You say, well, how do I do that? Well, you can do that by simply reading Romans 10.9, and you all know it. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's about believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth that Jesus is the way that we can have a relationship with this creator you can be saved. And you know, that's the answer to one of the big questions in life, isn't it? What happens when I die? 
That's a big one. And we've already answered two other big questions. Did you realize that? If we were created by a creator, that answers the question, where did they come from? And if we, ask, if we know that we're here for a purpose, and our purpose has had the relationship with Jesus Christ, that answers the second question. Why am I here? And the third question is, what happens when I die? If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, when you die, you will go to be with your creator. It's just an amazing thing that in this simple image, you have all the answers to the big questions in life. Where did I come from? Why am I here? What happens when I die? Again, I don't know how much of that Jeremiah understood, but I'm understanding this particular message more and more every day. And the last basic truth that I want to share with you is simply this. <clears throat> the Creator knows what He's doing. The Creator knows what He's doing. There's never any mistakes. As we read Jeremiah, we read that he went down to the potter's house and he was watching the potter make something on the wheel. But the pot that he was working on was destroyed in the potter's hands. And so he made another one. Now, I have to confess that for years and years, it's just the broken pot was just something that I, that I looked at as a way to segue into the new vessel that God was making. But what I'd like to do, I'd like to stop on the broken pot this morning and just take a little deeper look at that particular image that Jeremiah saw. Again, not trying to tell you what Jeremiah understood about this process, just simply saying what I have come to understand as a potter about the broken pot. Certainly this last year, as I've taken another look at it. The beginning of 2020, um, the camp had just finished its best year ever. So January 2020, finished 219, 2020, we just finished this, the best year. We had more campers. We touched more people than ever before. Our finances were looking good. We were excited because we had bought or purchased a new piece of property, and we were making plans to remodel that to, to, to build a little bit more on the camp. And we had just finished our, our uh, handicap accessibility project, and so no more money was going into that. We were able to concentrate on some more building, and so what we did was we, we got an architect in, and he got new plans for our, all of our buildings. And I think I might have pitched that when I was here one year, saying, if you can come and help us, please come and help us. We're going to remodel all of our old buildings to bring them up to, to the standard of our newer building. And we had five work teams that were ready to come that spring, and we had raised money to begin those projects. We had all of our list of camps from 2020 were started from January all the way down to December, and they were starting to fill up. Some of our camps fill up, uh, 2022 are already starting to fill up on some of our camps. So all these things were in order, and we were just praising God, saying, the Lord is blessing. And thank, great things were happening in the country of France. I mean, there were just some neat evangelical things that were going on, discipleship things. And we were, we were looking at that, looking at 220, saying, look at this, Lord. Thank you for this blessing. Help us to be wise as we go through and we, we, we deal with, we, um, I can't think of the word in English, but we are good stewards of all the things that you've given us, especially of these souls that you've given us, these new believers. And then as we moved into 2020, we did our February camps, and in March, things started to fall apart, didn't it? Things started to fall apart. The pot that the potter was working on was marred in the potter's hands. The pot was not a success. Something happened and the pot was destroyed. COVID-19 hit us and it hit the rest of the world. One by one, as we moved 
if a, two weeks out of two weeks at a time, two weeks before a, a work group was scheduled, we had to cancel it. Two weeks before a discipleship session, we had to cancel it. Two weeks before training, we had to cancel it. Two weeks before camp, we had to cancel it. Two weeks before church weekend, had to cancel it. So for two weeks, we started canceling everything. And in reality, we canceled everything from March all the way through to July and shut the camp down. The camp stopped along with the rest of the world. The whole world seemed to come to a screeching halt. And so what do you do? You're there, and your purpose is to create a place where people can come in. This is what the camp says. We're a place, the camp is a refuge in France for God to save the lost and strengthen the found. That's our goal, is people come in and they meet God and they find faith and they're discipled there. And then they come back and disciple others. Well, your whole purpose is so that if people can come in so that God can do this in lives. And the place closes. You don't have any people. As a potter, well, let's go back to Jeremiah. In Jeremiah, it says that the potter made another pot, the one that pleased him. But I know as a potter that you just don't grab the clay and make another pot out of it. What I know is that once a pot is destroyed on the wheel, it has to be wedged. It has to be wedged to take out all the air bubbles that were there. It has to be wedged to make it um, even through and through, make it consistent through and through. And as I look at that and say, as the clay in the potter's hands, that's the way you are in my hands. I looked at this in a different way as we sat there doing, looking at each other as a camp team saying, what do we do now? And the realization came to us. I mean, we knew this, but it was just put an exclamation point on it. The camp isn't about those buildings. It's about those three generations of relationship that you've built with those people. And so we did, like so many other people, we tried to stay connected with Zoom and all that. We tried to stay connected with our counselors and with our campers and with uh, those work teams that were coming in in hopes that when things uh, opened back up, they would be back in. And we went through a wedging process. And as we're doing that, I just had to think, you know what? This is completely normal for the potter. I say that oftentimes. This process is as normal to me as making a vessel. And so when I look at that, I think God is, this is important to him because it's that relationship thing again, as doing something at camp. As the summer came closer, France decided to open up for the summer sessions. For, they have vacation. French love vacation. We won't go too far into that. It's a big deal in France. And so they didn't want to keep their people from vacation. And so they opened the camp back up, or they opened all the camps back up, but also just the vacation places. And with modifications, they didn't tell us what we had to do, but they said modify to fit some standards. And so we began to modify, and we were able to, to divide our bigger camps into smaller camps. So we had less people for more camps, and we were able to have even more campers that actually signed up. I told you that most of our camps were, a lot of our camps were filled up, but we were able to add more to that. Because we had shorter sessions, we could have fewer people, but we could actually welcome more people. Because of the international restrictions on travel, because nobody traveled during COVID, not, at least not into France, they didn't, or not easily. Because of that, uh, the, the travel restrictions, we lost 80 summer workers that were scheduled to come and work with us. People just like you and young people who are coming and being counselors and those that work on not only the building people, but those that were working on the service team. We've lost all those people. And so when we made that need known to our French, um, 
three generations of French campers that have been there forever, they stepped up. And I couldn't keep up with the emails. I had more emails than I could ever had. And I thought, this is amazing. And because part of that's testimony to all those other North American workers that had been coming there for years and serving who were paying to come and serve our camps. They had watched those, those North Americans and they'd seen how fun they were, much fun they were having on the service team and how, you know, it was just a joy for them to serve. And they watched that. And so when I said, we need help, they jumped up. They jumped up and they came running. It was a blessing. We've had more help. We had more help last summer than we had in all previous summers. What a blessing. We're going to keep that part of it. We're going to continue to use our French people. We didn't know they were ready, but they were ready. COVID allowed them to be ready or gave them the opportunity to come and serve, and they served. What a blessing that was. In the end, the master potter was in the process of making another pot, one that seemed good to him. The summer certainly didn't look like what we'd expect it to look like, but in many ways it was better. We were worried that the shorter time frame with the campers would mean that we wouldn't, we're not going to be able to build relationships. But the fact that there were fewer people and that we were only four people at a table meant that we could rotate from table to table as counselors and as leaders and have deep conversations at the table with these kids where normally, if you've ever been to camp, you've got a string full of tables of you know, 20, 30 kids, they're screaming and yelling and hollering, you can't get a, a good a theological word in edgewise. But because we were four people at a table, the relationships were even richer and deeper than before. So, so much that we learned out of this COVID season that we're going to continue to do at our camp. And we're hoping that we're going to be able to open up. There's, there's signs that we'll be able to open up this year, but we'll be using some of the same restrictions that we had last year. The upside is the North Americans looks like they'll be able to join us. Join us. The vessel that the potter was making at the Condé Sim looked very different than the one that we thought it was going to look like when we ended, when we began 2020, and we were looking at all the neat things that God had done. We thought we knew where he was going. We didn't know hardly anything. What a great reminder to us that God knows what he's doing. That fourth basic truth. So in conclusion, as we just end our time together this morning, I just want to put a highlight on what we can learn, basic truths that we can gain from these images in Jeremiah. Number one is, you have a creator. It's simple, but folks, it's a huge thing to realize that we were desired. We have a God that made us. He wanted us. The second truth is, you have a purpose. I can't tell you what your specific purpose is. If your primary purpose is to have a relationship with your creator, but I know because he put something in you that he didn't put in anyone else, that he has a specific purpose for you. And I pray you'll find that purpose. He'll reveal that to you if you, if you just put it out there. Maybe he has many purposes for you. It may not just be one. And the third thing is that you are of great value. And I know that because handmade pottery is expensive. One-of-a-kind stuff is expensive, and you are one of a kind. And it's very important that you understand that. It's the message that we give our campers every single year, all year long, and it's the message I give you today. You are important in this world. No matter what you think otherwise, you're important. And the last message, the last great truth out of this passage is 
your creator knows exactly what he's doing. There are no mistakes. God never stands back and says, oops. You're looking at broken pots and you're saying, well, Tom, you just wasted 20 minutes of your time and your energy. But that's not true because you're looking at broken pots, but I'm looking at the next time I get to wedge this clay and have it back on the wheel again. I've said this often. And have that relationship. That's the part that's important. You're, our creator's in the business of taking, making all broken things new again. And so as we look at this season, I, just, I hope that we can remember that, that no matter what happens. I know that at camp, we're, we're doing this right now. We're saying, okay, we just lived the COVID. We're probably going to live similar this next, next summer. But we know we've seen God prove himself over and over again. We're trying to trust him. I know that's not easy because, boy, do I want to take control and fix stuff. But I can't. And so I have to go back to this fourth basic truth. God always knows what he's doing, and he is in the process of making broken things new again. And I just want to leave us with one verse um, that I think is good in any season, but certainly this season, when there seems like there is no control, we're out of control. And that's verse, it's a verse I found, that we find in Psalms 37.3. It just simply says this, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. It's a simple thing, but that's something we all can do, isn't it? No matter what happens, no matter how broken it looks, let's trust in the Lord and let's do good wherever we are. Let's dwell in the land right here where he's placed us, right here, right now, and cultivate faithfulness. That's our mission call going forward. I just want to pray for you and then we'll close. Father, what a great blessing it is to look out on this crowd of one-of-a-kind creations that you've made. What a blessing it is, Father, to know that you have a purpose for each one. That you want each one to know you personally through your son, Jesus Christ. But beyond that, Lord, you have a great adventure in store for each one of these unique creations that you've created. Thank you for this simple message in Jeremiah that runs deep in, in all the lessons that we can learn. And I pray that you will help us, Lord to remain faithful, to trust in you, and to do all the good that we can do, to dwell in the land where you've placed us, and to cultivate faithfulness. Bless this church, bless these families. And once again, we'll just ask a special blessing on our mothers this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.